I want to tell you last Sunday, oh my Lord, have mercy. Was that incredible? I thought Pastor Andrew did an amazing job. He's carrying an anointing for what God is doing right now. But I want to thank you for being the people you are and for pursuing after God with the passion that you have for God. I've lived long enough that a few things in the course of my life have come to be viewed by me in a different light than I used to look at them. And, and some things I once thought important, uh, no, I don't have time for that anymore. And the things that I thought were important, knew they were important. What's happened is some of the other stuff, I see it as much less significant than what I thought it was at the moment. The things that remain are unbelievably impacting now. And one of the most important things that we can do, I see it so clearly, is to worship God. I often say that my primary calling is not to be a pastor or to preach the word, it's to be a worshiper. Amen. Everything else I do actually flows out of that. Amen. And I want to thank you for being a people that take the time to pursue God. And so this coming Friday at 7 o'clock, I so look forward to that service. And then Easter Sunday, bring your family, your friends. And I, I want to just say a brief word about where we are as a church. It's extraordinary what God is doing. God is moving in this house. And it's being felt in our community. There is not a Sunday that goes by that I don't meet somebody in the lobby. Where I will be at, at the end of this service, right over that side of the lobby to the left as you're leaving. And I, I love to meet our first-time attendees or those I haven't had a chance uh, to meet yet. But not a Sunday goes by that I don't meet people who tell me I was driving by and I felt something call me here. Amen. Happened again this morning. A young man on his way to Pasadena. The uh, beltway was closed. I don't know if they had an accident or what. And he said, I just felt God draw me here. And he said, I'll be back next Sunday because of what happened. Somebody else is in this service right now. And the reason you're here is because God drew you here. God is moving in an an unbelievably powerful way. I'm hearing of extraordinary miracles that are happening. Miracles that are happening spontaneously. One of our members has had glaucoma and a severe eye problem for years. She announced this morning uh, that she went to her doctor. The glaucoma is gone. It's not there anymore. And she doesn't even need her eyeglasses any longer. Somebody ought to give God some praise. And that happens spontaneously in the service. Hearing of people that are healed of cancer. And anytime people experience the incredible deliverances and healings and breakthroughs that occur uh, in a service uh, that I'm a part of. Or even if I hear about it, I'm going to be sure to let God know that I do believe he is a miracle worker. And I just want to say, thank you, Lord. Amen. 
In this service this morning, we will anoint a blanket because the Bible says in Acts 19 that they took handkerchiefs and they took aprons from Paul. He was a, he was a tent maker and he worked to support his ministry. And he carried such an anointing that people started taking his handkerchiefs. I don't know if he looked the other direction. And some got one and they would lay it on the sick and they would get healed. We have a baby that since it's been born has been in the hospital and they're talking about a liver transplant. And we're going to anoint a blanket today. We're just living in a season of the supernatural. And I want you to help me pray. Amen. I'm glad that God is not limited. He's not like me. I run out of stuff after a while, but not God. God is unlimited. He makes our cup run That's how much he's got. He'll make your cup run over. He's not going to just fill it up. And he proved that with the fishes and the loaves, didn't he? Because after he fed the multitudes on different occasions, they took up baskets filled with fragments. There are no shortages with God. And today, as you know, we've been in a series on hunger. And I want to speak from this subject in regards to hunger. I want to speak... From the message title, An Invitation to More. An Invitation to More. Acts 10, verse 9. The next day as they went on their journey, you'll recognize this because this is a familiar passage of scripture. And drew near the city. Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became, everybody say, very hungry. This is not average hunger. Everybody say, very hungry. And he wanted to eat. That's what the Bible says. While they made ready, he fell into a trance. And saw heaven open and an object like a giant sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth and wild beasts creeping things and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, arise, Peter, arise, Peter, kill and eat. These were all what Jewish theology deemed to be unclean animals. They couldn't even touch them, much less eat them. And so the Lord says, rise, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. And this was done three times and the object was taken up into heaven again. And another very familiar passage of scripture, I will say regarding the first, I've heard many sermons on Peter being on the rooftop and seeing this vision and the significance of it And I'll talk a little bit about that. But I have never heard a sermon preached on the aspect of this story that I'm going to call your attention to in just a moment. Revelation 3 and verse 20, that's a typo. It's supposed to be verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door. Thank you. They've already corrected it. And knock. If anyone... Everybody say anyone. 
hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. I want us to pray. Father, I thank you for that beautiful and unique way that you have of taking a word from God and directing it into our lives and make it, making it personally applicable to where we are at that moment. And so in a crowd of many people, the same word can be used by you to speak to many different situations. And I'm going to ask you to do that. Nothing I say would make that happen. But the anointing of your Holy Spirit does things that human ability, human effort, human struggle cannot cause to take place. So we turn this over to you now and ask that you speak in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted and said, Amen. Amen. Have you ever heard about something that made you have a wish I could have been there to see that moment? You heard about it, but man, if you could have been there. Our text does that to me. In Acts 10, Peter experienced a revelation so monumental that with one vision, God literally changed the trajectory of the church. Up until that moment, the church believed that salvation was the exclusive right of the Jewish people. They not only didn't think Gentiles could receive Christ, they didn't waste time even mixing with them or telling them about the Lord. This revelation is so incredible that it affected every person here. I read just this week that two-tenths of 1% of the world's population are Jewish and identify that way. The other 99.8% of us, the rest of us who are here, are all Gentiles. What God did through this story changed the scope of the church's outreach and let everybody know that Christ did not just come for the two-tenths of 1%. He came for 100 percent of humanity. Amen. And that means whether you're from Brazil, like I met a lady in this first service that's a member that's from Brazil, or dad was a pastor there, whether you're from Honduras, whether you're from Argentina, Mexico, doesn't matter if you're from France, Belgium, Russia, China, Thailand, Taiwan. It doesn't make any difference. Christ died that you could become a part of his family. He died to pay the penalty for your sins. And the way it happened was like this. There was a man named Cornelius who was a centurion and a member of the Roman army. He was an officer over 100 other people. And he had been positioned or stationed in the Middle East for some time now. And while he was there, this pagan, because that's what he was, the people of Rome were pagans. They believed in a a multiplicity of gods, a whole pantheon of gods, and they worshiped idols. While he was there, he became exposed to some kind of a teaching about the one true God. And he began to fast and pray. God created in him spiritual hunger. And what he did to add to that was he began to fast. 
And after several days, an angel showed up and said, Cornelius, I want you to sin. And then God gave him a very specific word of knowledge. I want you to send to the city of Joppa by the sea. And I want you to go to the house of Simon the Tanner. So he told the man's name that owned the house and his occupation, as well as where he lived and where he lived within that city. And he said, you will find that he has a house guest there named Peter. And I want you to go send men, tell him to come, and he will tell you what you and your family need to do to be saved. That is an extraordinary story. And to get this message across to Simon Peter, he had to make Peter as hungry as Cornelius was. I'm going to show you that in just a minute. Peter goes up on the roof and begins to pray and suddenly becomes so hungry that the Bible says that he was, according to the Greek, intensely hungry. Intensely hungry. Anybody in this room ever been really hungry? Well, whatever your hunger was, imagine going beyond that. Because he got so hungry, he fell out. He fell into a trance. That's what the Bible says. And Miriam Webster tells me that the word trance that that was used, that is translated here, meant he fell into a state of sleep. And so he literally went into a sleep-like state. And while he was in that sleep-like state, the Lord began to give him this vision of this sheet with unclean animals. And he tells him, I want you to rise and kill, and I want you to eat something. You see, there's all kind of stuff that's going on. To be able to meet the need of a lost world, God sometimes has to make his church hungry. I wish I could get a better amen. You might say that the theme of this chapter is simply more. Because what God ends up telling Simon Peter is there's more for you too, Peter. You think you got it all figured out. And you spent three years with me and you watched me open blind eyes. But you don't know everything yet either. And if I can get you hungry enough, I got something else I can show you. And I'll let you in on a little secret, Peter. Part of your problem is you have a lordship challenge. You don't know it yet, probably, but you've got a lordship issue. How do we know that he had a lordship issue? The Lord says three times, rise, kill, and eat. And Peter says, no, Lord. How do you say no and Lord in the same sentence? And so God is in is drawing attention to something in Peter's life that needs to be corrected too. There's something else that's going on in this story that is really what I want to focus on. The vision was extraordinary. And it didn't just open the door, it knocked the door right off the hinges of the church for the Gentile world to have access to Christ. And I, for one, am really glad that God did that. Amen. But what I'm really referring to is how God set this vision up. It's easy to read this story and miss it because we focus on the vision. But I'm talking about how desperately hungry 
Simon Peter became. Really, I'm not joking. That's the part of this story that I want to tell you about. Because God made him to be very hungry. And I I want you to, to see this with me. I'm not talking about I need a Snickers bar kind of moment of hunger. I didn't eat my flapjacks for breakfast, so I'm hungry. No, in fact, Luke who writes this is a doctor. And Luke, the physician, is careful to note a number of things. And if he leaves something out, you can almost be sure it's because he didn't feel it belonged in the narrative. Amen. And so Luke tells us about Cornelius fasting. And if Luke had said that Cornelius was so hungry that he passed out, he was intensely hungry, I would have said, I understand that. I I can see it. But a man that he doesn't say was fasting is the one that ends up getting intensely hungry. And that's Simon Peter. And Luke, being a physician and trained to note details like this, if Peter had been fasting, I think he probably would have written that in his notes. Cornelius had been fasting for days. Peter? Apparently not. He goes up on the rooftop and it's the ninth, it's in the morning, I'm getting ahead of myself. He goes up on the rooftop and he begins to pray. And that is when This intense, severe hunger grips him. It's what the Bible called the sixth hour of the day. And I'll explain what that means in just a minute. That's when he fell into this trance. The Greek word means an ecstatic, deeply spiritual or otherworldly state. So God suddenly makes him hungry. I always thought when I read it, I don't know what you thought. I always thought he just must have skipped his breakfast that morning. But the deeper I look into this, I don't think that's what was going on. Because verse 10, the same verse that says he became intensely hungry, says he wanted to eat. So he wasn't fasting. And downstairs, they started fixing him something to eat. So he wasn't fasting. That's that's pretty obvious. The other thing that I would have you notice, and I, I won't keep you long on this, is the time of day that it was. Because it was the sixth hour of the day when he went up there to pray. Now, many times people don't realize what time that actually is because the Jewish people count time in the calendar day differently than we do. Our day begins at 12 o'clock midnight, ends the next night at midnight. Not so with Jewish people. It begins at six o'clock in the evening and ends at six o'clock the following evening. Which is why if you go to Israel or you are around any number of Jewish people, you will know that on Friday evening, they shut everything down because at six o'clock, their Sabbath begins. That's their Shabbat. And it all goes back to Genesis 1, verse 5, where God separated the light from the darkness. And this is what he said. Notice this. The evening and the morning were the first day. What came first? evening and the morning. We always kind of get that in reverse. And so at 6 a.m. for Jewish people, and that's what Simon Peter was and the man's house he was staying in was also Jewish. At 6 a.m., their day is now half over. And at seven o'clock, that means that it's the first 
hour or one hour past six. And then 60 minutes later, the second, nine o'clock, the third, 10 o'clock, the fourth, 11 o'clock, the fifth. And now we come up on the sixth hour, which is noon. And here is a man that was doing fine. And suddenly, while he's up there, he gets up there and begins to pray. And when he does, he gets so hungry that he's about to pass out and does, goes into a trance. It is pretty obvious to me when I read this story that this was a supernatural hunger. It was not an ordinary kind of hunger. And God wanted to move the church to another level. And to get them to the next place, he had to make the church hungry before they could open their hearts to receive the direction and the word that he was about to give them. It had been since it had been 10 years since the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. And God had prepared Cornelius and his family for this moment. But the people who were not ready were church folk. Cornelius and his whole family was hungry. Church doing just fine. We're perfectly content the way we are. Oh my God, have mercy. Can I preach to you like I feel like preaching this morning? Amen. It was not until he became hungry that God could give him a revelation so profound that it altered the destiny of the church and opened the door of the future for Gentile people to be saved. And I'm talking to somebody in this building right now. You don't know why everything was going well in your life and suddenly you're hungry. Nothing satisfies anymore. You're not content with a career where you are in life. You're hungry. You get up in the morning and you're hungry and food won't satisfy it and pleasure won't satisfy it and entertainment won't satisfy it and money won't satisfy it and things won't satisfy it. Why? Because God has more for you that he's trying to reveal to you where you are. Hunger. Hunger. God had to make the church to become as hungry as the world was. Mm. And God was asking Peter, Peter, can you still get hungry spiritually? You're the guy who preached the message on the day of Pentecost. You remember what you said, Peter? For the promise is unto you, he's quoting Joel, and to your children and to all them who are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Do you even know what you were saying then, Peter? Because this is the moment when that's about to happen. And I've been waiting 10 years for you to get hungry, but it's time for you to get hungry. So you know what? I'm going to help you out. Nothing's going to satisfy anymore until you get positioned for what I am about to do in your life. Come on, can somebody give God some praise? Matthew 5 and 6 tells us that those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. I just, I am so gripped by it. It's got a hold of me right now. I feel like my heart is being squeezed. Who in this building, whatever made you hungry, up, I'm rather full up until just recently. It's not fixing it anymore. 
you're hungry. It doesn't matter what it is. You can go from relationship to relationship, from thing to thing, from movie to movie, from TV program to TV program, from sports to sports. Nothing is going to feel the emptiness on the inside because what God is putting in you is divine. It's from another world. God is positioning you for what he's about to release in your life. Give God some praise. And when you get hungry, the faster spiritual fullness comes in. God was able to speak to Peter and revival came. You might say it was like this. God was standing at the door. Peter, if you will let me in, I've got something to feed you that's better than anything you've ever had before. It's more satisfying than anything in this world. Several important observations about spiritual hunger. Spiritual hunger is a setup for a personal encounter with God. Both Cornelius' house and Peter found that out in the matter of just a, a couple of days. When you get hungry, God responds. Number two, God can give you spiritual hunger if you will pray. Pray. Well, you just took the fun out of it for me right there, Pastor. Prayer is boring. It's dull. It's unfruitful. People say that. And if they don't say it, they often think it. And you know what I've lived long enough to discover? in my own experience, is because we haven't always been taught to pray the right way. We think prayer is nonstop asking, God, can you do this, 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 this. Finally, the list is so long. And we monopolize the conversation with God. How many of you enjoy talking to anybody that all that goes on in that conversation is they do the talking? It isn't long until you're going. I wonder if that's one reason our prayer lives are so unfruitful. We spend all the time monopolizing the conversation rather than listening in a good conversation communication goes both ways. God's got something to say to you. God's got something he wants to speak to your heart. Can I hear somebody say amen? And in fact, many people don't know it, but worship, when we sing the songs of Zion, do you know that's considered to be a form of prayer? I can show you several places in the book of Psalms where singing songs was called prayer. That's what we were doing a while ago. We were actually praying while we're lifting up our voices to the Lord. When you discover that prayer is meant to be intimate with God, it's not meant to be dull. It's not meant for you to monopolize the conversation. It's not just something you do when you find yourself painting into a corner in life either. Prayer suddenly becomes the most exhilarating wonderful thing that will happen in the course of your day because you get to meet your best friend. God shows up. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. And do you know what happens when you pray like that? God can make you hungry. Spiritual hunger will begin to grow inside of you. Hello, somebody. It was when Peter prayed that God visited him. I really don't think this whole story could have happened if Peter hadn't taken the time to pray and be with God. But he was accustomed to talking to Jesus like my friend because he had lived with him for three years. And when we learn to realize that God doesn't just come in those moments when we're on our knees, but he's with us throughout the entire day. And we start treating him like the companion who he really is, who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. When we realize he's there, hey Lord, get a load of this. And, and you, you include God in the course of your life. It shifts the entire dynamics of your relationship with him. Number three, Spiritual hunger will help create purity in your heart. It will. As it did with Peter. <laughs> Lord, really? You want me to slay one of those animals, kill one of them and eat it? Ah, uh, not so, Lord. Nothing unclean has ever entered my mouth, I'm proud to say. I'm so humble, I'm proud of it. I wouldn't do anything like that. And the Lord pointed out to Peter, hey, bud, you've got a lordship issue. You've got a problem. You can't say no to me and still call me your Lord. Hunger will refine you. It will draw attention to those areas of your life that the Holy Spirit is targeting. Hunger will make you reach the point where You feel God tugging you and drawing you to deal with certain issues in your life that he's not happy with. When we're pure in heart, we get to see God. And then too, I would point out that spiritual hunger brings greater clarity. It will always result in a greater revelation of God's will and of his word. Hey, I've said it so many times. Martin Luther found just six words. The just shall live by faith. How many people had read those before? But he got hungry. And God set his world on fire with just six words from the Bible. How many more are there in the word of God that can turn our lives around if we become hungry enough to say, Lord, yes, I want you to guide me. I want to know your will. I want to understand what you're saying. God was telling Peter, there's living bread, Peter, that will satisfy you more fully than natural food ever could. Your soul is about to receive something, Peter, but before I can feed it to you, I've got to make you hungry. And I'm preaching to somebody right now that God is stirring the depths of your heart. At the end of the nine o'clock service, there was a man right here. He was here last Sunday and he remained until the altar service was over and he introduced himself to me. And he, last Sunday when he was here, they came to get their children dedicated 
But God got a hold of his heart. And he said, Pastor, something happened to me last Sunday. And he said, this week I kept telling my whole family, we got to be in church on Sunday. I'm the man of the house. I'm going to set the path. I'm going to raise the standard. Let's get ready. He had his children and his grandchildren here this morning and he had tears in his eyes and he said, Pastor, God is doing something to me. I can tell you what it is, it's hunger. I won't force the door open, but I will knock. Peter was about to be given a far more comprehensive revelation of God's word than he even realized was in the word of God. The very scriptures he used to use and had no idea what they really meant. God was about to reveal to him the depth of their meaning and it would turn the world on its ear. I'm about done. Musicians, you can come. When we are hungry spiritually, God can even reveal to us the limitations in our own thinking. Not just the issues of our heart, but the limitations in the way we think. You've often heard me say the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your thinking. If your thinking is not in alignment with the word of God, your life will not be what it could be. God wants to do what Paul admonished us to do in Romans 12. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Transformed by your thinking. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what Paul says. God wanted to renew the way the early church thought. They were believers. And in all of this that I'm preaching, when I say there's more, you should not misunderstand where I'm coming from. Peter was fully saved. No one would doubt that. That's not even suggested to be a problem in the scripture. But there was more that he was missing out on. And we can go through our lives as believers and there still be more of God that we haven't found. A depth in God that we haven't experienced. And that's not to condemn or make anyone feel like they don't measure up. I've already told you, Peter was fully saved. The real question is, do you want to go through the rest of your life with there being more that God wanted to give you that you couldn't enjoy? I don't. And the real important point is that wrap this up is what you experience as the result of spiritual hunger will affect others. It will. It will affect other people. The most powerful contagion in the world is not Morrisburg. It's not Ebola. It's not COVID. It's spiritual hunger. Because when you get hungry, It gets off on somebody else and gets off on somebody else and it will spread like wildfire. 
Come on, somebody, and give God a praise. Put your hands on your chest and say, More, more, make me hungry for all you have for me, Lord. I tell you, there's not a Sunday goes by that I don't meet people out in that lobby that say, I was just driving by minding my own business and I felt God tug me to come here this Sunday. Happens as I already have mentioned several times this morning in the first service. You have people who pray here every day and you know what their prayer is? God draw people to this church. God, draw the needy, draw the lost, draw the hungry. Not only to this church, Lord, but to every church in this city that preaches the truth. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. I received an email to our website. I'll just mention it. I bless the family that sent it. Uh, I don't think they're here today, but I am going to meet with them this week. And a lady sent me an email. She and her husband were raised in, in church in a certain denomination, right? And what God is doing here is, is saying, look, I'm not about denominations. I'm about relationship with people. I'm about encounters with people. I'm about being real in somebody's life. I was raised in a particular denominational kind of background. Many of us were. And she was explaining in the email that she had been to. And then she said, you know, we've gone to a number of churches. And we'd like to ask if you don't mind what you believe. And I thought that was brilliant. I I, I complimented her. I, I said, thank you for taking the time to explore who we are and what we're about before you even come. Because to be honest, go to any church website. What do they say? We believe the gospel. Then you hang around six months and you find out, oops, maybe not. She was and still is hungry. So I'm meeting with her this week. So many churches out there, you don't know (laughs) rather to trust what they say. And I'm not knocking churches. I'm a friend of churches. You know that. I pray for every church in this city that God will move powerfully among them. And that if they've strayed, he'll draw them back. I really do pray that way. I want every church to have revival. I want every church to be set on fire with God. But can I be honest with you? Some of them could be sued for false advertisement right now. Not knocking them. I said it in the first service, so I'll be careful. My phone is AT&T. How many of you have problems right here at this location with AT&T service? I drop calls right here all the time. I've often said AT&T could be sued for impersonating a mobile service provider. And I'm quick to add, sorry, didn't really mean that. Joe, Kaha, in case serious listening. Am I right? Amen. Just kidding, AT&T. Not really. 
Churches can be like that. You know what I pray? God, make us hungry. God, let us be a representation of the body of Christ in the earth. God, let us stand for righteousness and truth in love. Because when we become hungry, it affects others. Next thing that was happening at Simon the Tanner's house was is there somebody staying here named Peter I've been sent by Cornelius a centurion he had a word of knowledge yesterday he's been fasting and praying we were told to come here because a man named Peter is a guest in this house And he will come tell my master what to do where all of us can be saved. God, do it again. While we sit here worshiping, let us lift you up with such passion and hunger that all over this city there are people that are being called by God right now. There are people being stirred by God. Come on, can I hear somebody in the building say yes? Is there anybody hearing what I'm saying? Because when we get hungry, other people do too. John Wesley, the great evangelist that was so great, mightily and powerfully greatly used of God, was once asked what his secret was. And I quote what he said. He said, I get along with God in prayer and he sets me on fire. And people come to watch me burn. God, let us burn for you. God, let us burn for you. God, let us burn for you. Would you stand with me across the building? Our prayer counselors are coming. I want to see the hands of those in this building. You just raise your hand and wave at me and say, I need Jesus, Pastor. I need Jesus right where you are. Come on, wait. God bless you. Keep raising them. God bless you in the back. See you. God bless you. Keep raising them. Keep raising them. God bless you and you. Keep raising them. God bless you and you. God bless you. God bless you. Many hands that are going up at home. I want to pray for you first. Father, I pray right now that you would first come into the heart of every person here who has acknowledged their need of you. We repent of our sins. We ask you to save us. We need you as our Lord. Hadn't done so well as Lord of my own life. So I invite you to be my Lord now. And I believe in the power of your forgiveness and your love. And I believe in your blood. So cleanse me in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I hear an amen? Let's have a party for a moment for everyone that just prayed that prayer. Come on, lift up your voice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Now, how many in this building will pray, God, make me hungry? Could I see your hands? Would you come down here and join me? We've been doing that recently because God's been doing something powerful in the altar. Come. If you're hungry, come. I'm coming today. I'm stepping out because I'm hungry, Lord. I'm walking up to the front because I'm casting my vote for spiritual hunger. I want you to make me hungry. I want you to make me insatiable. I want you to let there be a raging hunger develop inside of me. Come all the way forward. There are many people behind you. Amen. Amen. I'm hungry, Lord. I want more. I've tasted the greatness of God. I've tasted of the preciousness of your Holy Spirit. It has satisfied me at a level that nothing else could ever satisfy me at. But beyond that, Lord, it's not only satisfied me, it makes me want more, more. Can I hear somebody just say that? I want more, 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 more. I want a greater love for your word. I want a greater love for your kingdom. I want to love you more. I want to be more passionate in my worship. I want to be able to pray and it not be one-way communication with me monopolizing all of the conversation. I want to hear you speak. I want to see revelations in your word that I've never seen before. I want you to set my heart on fire within me like you did those on the road to Emmaus. Let me burn, Lord. Where others come and watch me burn for you, that you can receive the glory. With your hands raised, would you just invite the Holy Spirit to do that? Come on, let me hear you. Make me hungry, Lord. Let me hear you. Make me hungry. Make me hungry for more. Make me hungry. I hunger for more of you, Lord. I want more. I want more. I want more. I want more. God, you're the best thing that's ever happened in my life. And I'm so glad. And I know I'm saved. And I know I'm on my way to heaven. But I want more because this is too good to live my life without enjoying it to its fullest. I want more. I want more. I want more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 